Are you ready for this? Welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan. I'm Corey. I'm Logan. And we are here to go on the journey of life and leadership growth with you. Welcome to the Principles Podcast. Welcome back to Principles with Corey and Logan, guys. Uh, I hope you are ready today for total optimism. You got two guys on the call that are <laughs> optimistic, and I'm excited for you guys to get to know my, my friend. His name is Tyler Long. He is in Branson, Missouri, and he is an executive pastor of Bloom Church there in Branson, and also he is the, the forerunner, a pioneer. He is the leader of Transformation Ozarks, partnered with the John Max organization to bring transformation to his region. So just want to say welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan Tyler. Man, yeah, Corey, thank you so much for having me. This is uh, this is awesome. And uh, I love just the opportunity to get to come and hang out with you. Yeah, awesome, man. Well, Tyler, uh, I mentioned kind of briefly that you are an executive pastor and that uh, you are you are the forerunner, the leader there of that team in Transformation Ozarks. But kind of tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um, like, how did you get to this point? What else are you doing? Because I know you've got you've had a um, background in business and in leadership and those kind of things, too. So just tell, tell, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. And uh, man, if you would have told me that I was going to be a pastor uh, probably eight to 10 years ago, I probably would have laughed you out of the room. Um, but it's crazy, man. God has a way of uh, he's, he's just got that sense of humor, doesn't it? And um, but, I, you know, I think my story is just a story of transformation. I'm a I'm a product of transformation. And um, and that's what I think just lit a fire in in me. Um, in regards to ministry and working for a uh, bloom church, man, I am, it, it is such an honor. And, uh, I feel like I'm walking in what God has, has truly called me to walk in now. Uh, but there was definitely a path that I had to, to go through, uh, to get to that point. And, uh, it's crazy. I, I actually, I started playing music when I was 10 years old and I always thought, you know, I want to be a musician. And, and, uh, when I, when I, truly met Jesus, uh, you know, I, I always thought, man, that translates well. I just really want to be a worship leader and uh, started going down that path. And then someone said something to me one day uh, because I was in a I was in a band and uh, we were playing bars and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, still believers, you know, what did Jesus say? Who needs a doctor? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we just wanted to be a positive message to, to anyone and everyone. But I remember someone told me uh, it was actually a, a radio station. They said, hey, we're going to have to take your music off the radio because you can't have one foot in heaven and one foot in hell. And that really I, I was so immature in my faith at that point that that I didn't um, I didn't want to go find the truth on my on my own. I was just kind of like, all right, well, um, then I don't want anything to do with it. And I went a completely different route. Um, and so it was crazy. And, uh, you know, I was kind of almost prodigal son for a while. Uh, and then one day someone invited me. Just real quick, Tyler. So sorry. So you say you, uh, you, you quit it. Did you mean music or like the church stuff? What, what did you quit there? Yeah. No, great question. So yeah, I, I kind of just walked away from my faith. 
at that point. Um, and I was like, all right, well then, you know, if I can't have one foot in heaven and one foot in hell, then I don't want anything to do with, with your faith. And, um, and I think that was the problem is, you know, I was looking at someone else's interpretation of faith and someone else's walk, uh, with Jesus instead of really paying attention to mine and, you know, hindsight, yeah, obviously looking at it now, um, after, growing in my faith and, and having a relationship with Jesus, what I should have done is, is just gone to scripture and just, you know, really dug into that for myself. And, and I think with that, God would have revealed, you know, Hey, yeah, you, you probably are doing some things that, that we could realign you to, but, um, but yeah, that, that was a, that was a pivotal time in my life though. Uh, and it did, it, it led me down a path that, um, that I, you know, I started, making worldly decisions. And, um, it wasn't until someone asked me, uh, someone invited me to go to this new church, uh, that was being planted in Branson, Missouri. And, you know, I still, I still was a a believer, uh, but I just wasn't, I wasn't walking in it. Right. And I, and I wasn't intentional about my relationship with Jesus. Um, and so when someone asked me, Hey, would you, would you want to go try out this brand new church? Um, I said, sure. Yeah, we can go try it out. And, uh, and so I went down there and I immediately, it was the first time that I had stepped in a church and since that happened and we're talking probably, uh, five, six years. Um, and so I remember when worship started, at this church, I just, and it was a church plant. And let me just give a little context to this church plant, right? So this is the third Sunday that they had been launched. A thousand seat auditorium, because Branson is just full of shows. Thousand seat auditorium, and there's maybe 20 people in this room. Uh, You got all the rows roped off. And I just remember, though, I remember feeling the Holy Spirit just so evident in that room. And there was a void that was filled immediately in my heart. And uh, and I and I truly just felt your home like this is this is where I want you. This is where you're supposed to be. Um, and it was just really powerful. And I ended up rededicating my life to Jesus after that uh, and just these various steps after that is, is what really led me to feel the call to, to ministry. Um, and now I'm here. <laughs> so. That's awesome. So, so are you uh, on the staff at that church or did you end up going to another church? It's the same church. It's the same church. Yep. Uh, so I I've been in this capacity. It'll be four years in October. Wow. That's awesome. So I, yeah. I'm curious, you know, you, you said that you stepped away for a little bit. Was there a moment in that time? Like, did you still like, could you still feel God pulling you, but you were tugging somewhere else? Or what was, what was like going on on the inside during that season? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it, you know, I, I always feel like, you know, I, I can leave Jesus, but Jesus can never leave me. You know what I mean? Like, like I always, I always knew that's where I was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, but it was just that rebel spirit, yeah. <laughs> you know, just that, like, I'm hurt, man. I don't want to talk about it. I'm just going to go do my own thing. Right. Um, and, and so I feel like that's what, what I was really wrestling with there. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it just hits, you know, just like in that moment, it was like, Hey, I'm, I'm still here. And, you know, 
I'm still going to welcome you home and, and I still love you. And, you know, it, it's kind of like it, the story of the prodigal son. Yeah. When the prodigal son was coming home, you know, it, it was against that culture uh, or not against, but it was very rare for someone to run uh, that was, you know, uh, of any importance. And the fact that the scripture says that that father, when they saw his son coming, just ran to him. And that's, that's what it felt like. And it was just such an overwhelming feeling uh, of just, you know, this is what I was, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. And this is the step I'm supposed to make. Yeah, man, that's awesome. So I was curious about that. So my brother, he is, uh, you know, he, he's kind of gone wayward, I guess you would say a little bit. He's dabbled with drugs and uh, been in and out of jail, but I was talking to him one day and he, he made a, made a very interesting statement. He said that, you know, even whenever I'm, I was, I've been doing all these bad things and uh, could be in a lot of trouble. It's interesting that I could feel God with me during those times. Like I could still tell that he was still there. And, and I, I just thought that was an interesting statement, you know, that even during seasons of running away or doing things that uh, worldly things, like you say, God was still there kind of still just, Tapping on the sorry. Hey, man. Hey, yeah, I'm right, here. I'm right here. Right. Man. I just find that interesting. So that's powerful. And in your story, yeah. I, you know, what's interesting, too, is the power of our words. Right. Like it, it's it's interesting how a certain word in a certain season just at the right time can do can do damage. But it also yeah. can build people up, right? Like speaking life, what the, what the opposite of that could do. And that one just kind of hit you. Um, but that's part of your journey, too. I, I think that's yeah. made you into who you are, right? Yeah, uh, so true. So true. And you're, you are spot on with the power of words. I mean, what a, what a simple sentence that someone said, you know, hey, you, you, can't, you can't do that. You can't have one foot in heaven and one foot in hell. Yeah. And just for that two or three seconds that it, that it, took to say that line it sent me down a three-year four-year journey yeah uh it was wild yeah really wild so just just between us dudes here <laughs> what's your thoughts on that statement now like you're you're more mature now right like you, you understand words the word a little bit better and, and you could probably handle a little bit better but uh yeah. what's your thoughts on that statement now <laughs> so yeah you know I've, I've actually thought about that if someone said that to me today what what knowing what I know now what would be my response and I think I would just come back to you know we're very uh, I, I can only speak for me I'm very firm in my conviction of at that point I felt like my um that that my mission field was the field that I was in it was the bars. It was the, the people that, uh, that that sentence gets thrown around to. And if I can go and I can show someone the love of Jesus and tell them what Jesus has done in my life in maybe an unorthodox setting, awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, hey, if that's, not, if that's not a right fit for you and your beliefs, I still love you and I respect that. And uh, you know, hopefully we can have an opportunity to partner and talk about it later down the road. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. 
when you told that, I kind of laughed inside. So we uh, a couple of years ago we did a a uh, um, oh man worship in the park event, right? So it was our first one. We've done a couple of them now, but the very first one I got to, got the opportunity to go on a radio show. And was kind of promoting the event. And uh, one of the radio hosts, he asked me, he's like, hey, what's your favorite song? And uh, I told him at the time, uh, it was a, my favorite song was a, it was actually a Brandon, Brandon Lake song, mainly because our youngest son, he loved it. And he was like four at the time and he was just singing yeah. it all the time. And I told him that song. Well, man, I got an email two days later from a lady saying, I hope, I sure hope that's not the music that you're going to be playing there because that is a song about sensu- sensuality. And I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> is it really? No, surely it's not. And um, I had to, I mean, I went and looked up the words and everything. And it, it's just interesting how our perspectives sometimes, you know, all of us, all of us uh, can get yeah. skewed. And um, in our words, uh, what our words yeah. do. Uh, so when, whenever she said that to me, my heart just sank. I was like, oh, my goodness, is it really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I, I know when, when you and I were talking, you um, you made a statement that during during you were in the business world and you had a lot of success there from a financial standpoint and a career standpoint and title and position. But there's one night you were sitting there and it's like, it's almost like I heard, is this all there really is? Is there, there's mm-hmm. gotta be something more. And, yeah. and I would love to hear your thoughts on that. You don't have to go too much deeper into that, but that, like that, that thought right there of there's gotta be more, like you had the success, but yeah. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I remember, um, <laughs> funny. I, I always wanted the quote American dream, right? Um, and that paint that picture was painted to me like it's the house, it's the car, it's the you know every, it's the extravagant lifestyle. And what was so crazy is um, you know I, I worked my way up a corporate ladder really quickly um, and was really young, making a, a really good living. Um, you know, I was 23 making a a healthy six figure salary and, um, (laughs) I was really immature with it. So I immediately go out and I I buy a a car thinking, Oh man, I'm going to close way more deals with this car. I can take, you know, all clients to lunch in this car. I got to have this car. I go and I buy this house. I walk in and it's got these big beams that are across the ceiling. I'm like the wow factor people are going to walk in and they're going to say, oh, I got to hang out with this guy. Cause these, he's got the beams. Right. And, and what was so crazy though, is I went out and I blew all this money. I didn't have the money to, to host people over at the house that I paid all this money for with the beams and everything like that. Right. I was so house broke and so poor just cause I made bad decisions and everything like that. Uh, and I, I, I did, there was also some, some personal stuff that I was going through at that time. Um, I think it was a, it was a lack of, uh, intentionality with my priorities, um, that actually put a strain on a, on a marriage. Um, and some things were revealed in that marriage. Uh, unfortunately there was infidelity in that marriage. And I remember though, I remember, there was a night when everything just kind of came to head 
Um, and it just was like the biggest gut punch that I've, that I've ever had. And, uh, I had found out about, um, uh, the infidelity. And I remember, um, um, I'm going to get vulnerable with you here, Corey. Uh, but I remember I was like fetal position in my, in my big old living room with the beams. Right. I just remember weeping and, uh, and thinking to myself, I have all this stuff, but I have nothing. And at that point in my life, I didn't even feel like I had someone to call, uh, to talk to because my, my priority was, I just need to, to keep climbing and, and what's the next accolade and what's the next, uh, you know, decimal point that can be in my bank account and all that kind of stuff. And, and it was just a very unhealthy point. Uh, but I remember I, I reached out to um, a, a buddy of mine who I thought I had burnt a bridge with. And I just said, man, I, I, I'm really sorry. I don't know if this is appropriate or not, but this is what's going on. And, and I just, I don't know what to do. And it was so great, man. He, uh, he said, listen, let's meet tomorrow for coffee and, uh, and you're not alone in this. And, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to get through this. Um, that is the pastor, uh, of the church that, uh, that was planted. And I now, and I now, uh, work at, uh, he is a spiritual father to me. He is a mentor and a, and a best friend. Um, and it's just so crazy. The, the grace, uh, that he had, because again, I, I thought that I had burnt that bridge, but you know, the, the ability to just say, let's meet tomorrow and we'll, we'll figure this out. It was really powerful because at that point he just kind of, kind of took me in, uh, took me in under his wing and just started speaking life over me. And, um, you know, unfortunately a restoration plan was, uh, was, was put together, but was not adhered to. And so that marriage actually did end up, uh, ending in divorce. But I remember going through that, that, that divorce process and, and the restoration process leading up to it. And I remember saying to myself, like, I know that divorce makes God grieve, uh, because that's a commitment that was made under him. Um, but there's also the knowledge that you can't change another person and, and I'm only responsible and I can only do what, what I can do. Right. And so I just remember surrendering the whole thing to God and just saying, I just want to be obedient to you throughout this entire thing. And, um, man, that was such, that was probably one of the most powerful times in my life in regards to the transformation that I've gone through. I, I don't know that I've, um, that, that closeness that I felt, I mean, I truly, in just that seeking of being obedient to him, it brought about this closeness to God that was just so powerful. Um, and again, it, it did end up, ending in divorce, but, but through that, um, I truly felt just that, that God started speaking just these words of life into me and refilling me, but, but also bringing out that original design, uh, that, that he created me, uh, in, and, um, that's honestly when I started feeling the call to ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, man, that is awesome. I love what you said, that original design. And it, it's it's amazing how God God uses all of it, right? He, he can yeah. use 
you can't mess something up. And this is not, this is all of us, right? You can't mess something yeah. up too bad where you can't use it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good. I, I love what you said there. You said, I had all this stuff, but nothing. Yeah. All this stuff, but nothing. I mean, that is a very powerful thing. And I think it's easy, especially for guys. <clears throat> well, I, I mean, I'm women too. I just don't know what it's like to be a woman. So <laughs> I know guys that, that are really top A, you're driven. We, we want to, we, we want to do great things, right? There's this drive inside of us to do big things and to do awesome things. And uh, I think that desire is placed in us. But what happens is, is the word that you used was priorities. Yeah. We, we get our eyes on the shiny stuff and that draws us. It's the desire that's that's misplaced on the wrong priorities, right? It's we're looking over here when when if we allow that drive and those desires to, to God to pull us, I mean it's yeah. even greater things. So yeah. Um, interesting. Well, and I'll tell you one of the craziest things um was so so I was not a I didn't tithe back then right? Because uh, I wasn't living for the Lord. But I remember um, when I when I started putting my life back on track, I'll say, <laughs> and, uh, and after I rededicated my life to Jesus, I started really digging into um, just the, the, the biblical principles uh, of, you know, building that foundation of faith and the relationship with him. And tithing was a big one of those. And I, I grew up, you know, always, I actually grew up Catholic. And I remember in regards to tithing, it was, you know, hey, oh man, here comes the offering plate. Dad, do you have anything in your pocket or in your wallet? You know, oh well, yeah, we'll just throw a, a 20 up there or whatever. <laughs> and the and the, pay, the plate would keep passing. But it wasn't until I finally started digging into tithing um, that I understood the power of it. In Deuteronomy, it talks about um, bring the tithe into the storehouse, bring the whole thing. But then there's a there's a there's a comma there. And the most important line is, is right after it says that it says, bring the tithe into the storehouse so that you may learn to uh, revere the Lord, your God always. And a lot, and, and I, I dug into that and I thought, what, what does that mean? So it says, bring the tithe, not because it's a religious law that we do or bring the tithe, not because we need to fund a ministry or bring the tithe because the church needs to pay a light bill, but it says, bring your tithe to the storehouse so that you may learn to revere the Lord, your God, always that word revere means to honor. Mm. And so we, we, we bring our tithe to, to, build an honor in our heart and appreciation in our heart for what God has, has blessed us with. And so I, I say all that to say when, when I, when I was on my personal restoration journey, uh, I started tithing and, uh, and I knew that this is just something that, that even if it didn't make sense financially, I, I had to do it. And I had racked up all this debt. I had, um, you know, I had the house that, that I was selling and I was upside down on two cars. I had two different cars, one guy, two cars. I, I, you didn't, I didn't need that. That was so stupid. <laughs> but I thought to myself, how in the world am I going to get out of this? And what was so crazy as, as I was obedient in tithing, God was just like, we're going to make a way, man, we're going to make a way. And the house ended up selling for way more than, than it had appraised for, which allowed me to take care of some of the debt with the cars and all this kind of stuff. 
And what, what I saw that he was doing is he was preparing a way for me to step into a call of ministry. And here I was making this six figure salary, but I was so overwhelmed with finances and, and debt and everything like that. But after I started being obedient to him, he made a way to take care of all of that debt to where I could step into a role making a fraction of what I was, but had more financial freedom and more financial peace than I ever had in my life. It was one of the most powerful things that I've experienced. Wow, that is incredible. I, the financial peace and financial freedom, you, you said that, that's an interesting. And I'm, I'm going to second that on the, the tithing. There is a incredible... I don't know how God's math works, uh, but, but <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, my wife and I, we got married. We were, we were living in a, um, we moved away. She was playing college softball. I was working. I was the only one working and uh, we get paid on a Friday. We'd gas up the cars. We'd pay the, all the bills, pay our apartment rent and get our groceries. We'd have $8 to live on. Oh, and man. I felt in me that God was saying, start tithing. And I was like, well, on what? <laughs> <laughs> what do we have? And um, you said start tithing. So it did. And I'm telling you, I don't never miss the beat. Same thing. It, Eight dollars, nothing less. Yeah. Like, and we we timed it off the top. And it's like, how is that? I don't know how that math works, but anyway, man, that's uh, powerful. Continue to bless us. So it's, it's awesome. <laughs> so Tyler, uh, you uh, you are a pioneer, and there's something I heard in in the first part of your story that makes sense right there. You you were young, you were ambitious, you were, you were taking action, and you were growing. Um, it, you said climbing the corporate ladder and it, it makes sense. Like you and I both are part of transformation movements here in Tupelo there in the Ozarks. And, uh, I would love to hear a little bit about your story of how that came to be right there where you are. How, one, what in the world are you doing to transform? A <laughs> how do you do that? And then how did you, how did you partner with the John Maxwell organization? Yeah, great question. Uh, so it actually, it, it was goodness, 2018, 2019, somewhere around there. Um, we got, uh, our, our pastor, Mike and, and myself, we got a, he got a call from a friend who pastors a church in, uh, Ellis County in Texas. It's, uh, the Oaks church down there in, uh, Waxahachie. Wow. And anyway, he calls him and he says, uh, Hey, John Maxwell's come in. Uh, they're doing some community initiative, you know, just come and, and you should, you know, just hear what he's got to say. And we get to hang out and we just get to hear John Maxwell speak. So that's kind of cool. Right. And so we were like, Hey, we'll go down there. We'll check it out. Uh, there were actually three of us that went down and, um, we were just excited to hear John speak. And, um, we did set up a lunch though with the Maxwell team to dig in a little bit deeper on what is this, what is this community initiative? And uh, so we, we go to lunch and we're talking to one of the team members about uh, this initiative. And it sounds amazing, uh, but it's going to cost $50,000 to do this. And we were so fired up and we're trying to figure out a way, man, how do we do this? This is what our community needs. But where in the world do we get $50,000 to do this? And so we go and the day goes on and we go and we hear John Maxwell talk and uh, he's talking about a book that he's writing called Change Your World at this time. And all of it was just really inspiring. And so, you know, we went back home and uh, it just kind of hit the whiteboard. Well, then all of a sudden 
uh, this pandemic hits. <laughs> and uh, as a as a church, uh, there was a there's a silver lining for the church with the pandemic. It, it, it did something that that the church needed to do for a long time. And that was it, it forced the church and I'm the capital C church, all churches. It, it forced us outside of our four walls and and to really push. How do you pastor a city? How do you pastor and care for a, a community? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we were just kind of in pure transparency, we were just kind of in survival mode. And I think all businesses and churches were uh, during that time. So this, you know, community transformation initiative was kind of put on the back burner. And we just wanted to go be the hands and feet uh, of Jesus to our community. So we did some, some really cool initiatives and stuff during that time. But I remember as the dust was kind of settling, um, we, John had come out with the book, Change Your World. And we were just kind of thinking, you know, how, how do we, how can we re, re-light this fire and, and what part can we play? Branson has a lot of, a lot of nonprofits and a lot of, a lot of incredible organizations doing a lot of great stuff. Um, so, you know, the last thing we want to do is contribute to a silo. So it's, you know, how, how can we come alongside, how can we serve and, and bring transformation? Well, all of a sudden we hear about these transformation tables and, you know, these values-based tables that are bringing about so much fruit, um, no, no matter what walk of life you're in, um, no matter what sphere or stream of, of influence you work in. Uh, and so we were like, man, I, I wonder if this is it. Maybe this is how we add the value to our community. Let's just start this, this transformation table initiative. And so we said, let's just get a pilot table together. And so we did. We, we found eight people uh, in the community um, that were in our stream of influence, our sphere of influence, excuse me. And we just said, hey, would you commit to, to just going through a table? And everyone said, yeah. And we got through that table. It was a change your world transformation table. And everyone, I remember it, everyone just looked at each other and we said, we want more. Mm. And it was at that point that God really gave us this vision of let's see tables just spread like a wildfire out throughout the, the, the Ozarks and, and our community. And I remember I was given a, a contact at the Maxwell Foundation and uh, it was Carolina. And she is one of my absolute favorite people. And I got to cast this vision to her. And she said, we are here for you. We want to resource you. And she was giving out uh, all of these resources to us, just being such a, a, a great um, asset and, and, and resource for us. And uh, I remember we went from one table to eight tables and we went from eight tables to 26 tables. And when we hit that growth, because there's about eight people that can be around a table. So you think about that. That's that's room for quite a few people to, to, to be around the table. Um, God just kept giving us more vision and the, the community transformation piece came back to us uh, that we had met with the team about, but had no idea, you know, where we were going to get that money from. Well, I remember I was talking to Carolina one day and she said, you've got to cast this vision to uh, this guy, guy named John. And I didn't know if I was going to be John Maxwell or, or who, but I said, okay, yeah, I'll do it. And uh, so she sets up a call with John. And, uh, <laughs> and so 
I'm able to, to cast the vision. And John says, you know what? I don't, I, I'm changing my schedule. I got to come down to Branson, got to come down to the Ozarks. And so in about three or four weeks, he came down. Uh, we held some, some informational summits. Our goal and our vision was still the tables. Uh, but I remember after we had one meeting, it was the first lunch meeting that John had. We were meeting with a couple uh, aldermen from our, our city council uh, and just a couple top influencers in our area. We're leaving to go to a summit uh, where there are, I think, 70 influencers that are that are at this original summit. And John says, I'm calling I'm calling an audible. He said, your vision was was tables we're going to make this a community transformation site. And I wasn't about to ask the $50,000 question, right? Like, I'm just like, yes, we are. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what that means, but yes. (laughs) And so we just keep going and man, it was just such a powerful, powerful experience. And we went from one table to eight tables, eight tables to 26 tables, 26 tables to over 54 tables going on at one time. Um, and, and it was just incredible thing. Now to, to date, we've had over 700 people go through tables. Um, and we are, we're just praying for more. We're praying for more. Wow. So real quick, I want to get to your story real quick, but so you and I know what you're talking about with the tables and, and why is it important for somebody to come around the table? If somebody's listening, like, what are they talking about these tables and transformation and hey, what is so transformation about a table? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, so one of the most powerful things, a, a transformation table, it's simple. A transformation table is a, a, a place. It could be a physical table where up to eight people gather uh, for one hour a week and talk about values. Now, I know that sounds really simple. Uh, and for me, I remember when I heard the values for the first time, it's things like hope and listening and forgiveness and valuing every person. I remember when I heard those the first time, I thought, and I don't know, these sound kind of elementary. But after going through and what I realized is that these values aren't elementary, they're foundational. Mm -hmm. And there's a very powerful and important difference between the two. Uh, And so one of the one of the most powerful reasons that you should get around a table is one, you're building a community together. You're you're enhancing your community, being around a table with people that you might not normally be around a table with hearing the different perspectives and the different walks of life, learning from each other uh, here. And, and not only that, but also having an accountability piece to it. One of the most powerful things about the table is it ends every single week with what action step are you going to commit to that's going to help you improve your rating on this specific value? And then the next week you start off with, how'd you do? <laughs> and no one wants to come to that table ill-prepared or, or not having taken any action on, on what they said that they were going to commit to. And so it's just been a powerful, powerful time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I like what you said right there. It, it seems so fundamental, but it's very foundational. We, we all yeah. want to jump to the doing, like I want to go do this or serve this, kick this thing off and, and, and get to the doing. This is bringing us back to the being, right? It, yeah. All the, um, old school motivational people, they'll say, be, do, have, right? Well, this is starting with the being. And we were talking with our team today and how important it is to get this stuff in you. Like whenever you get it 
in you, not from up here, like that's fundamental. I should know that that's elementary, but in here, in your heart of that, you know what? I value each person. I, I What we found in our community, Tyler, I found this very, really interesting. We had a high value for other people. We had a low self-worth. And what that says to me, when I hear that, it says that, you know, Tyler's valuable, but I'm not, you know, I I can see, I can see that Tyler's valuable, but I'm, I'm really not. And what happens, you and I, really, it's a comparison thing. You you can't truly value somebody if you don't value yourself, right? That's so good. About what you're unwilling to receive. And I just found that to be very, very powerful. Um, and getting around the table and talking about those things, have a, we do, do a Bible study. And one of the guys said something that just really stood out to me, Tyler. He was talking about the Lord's Prayer. We all, most everybody on, on here has kind of heard that, you know, it's yeah. uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth. And he said, most translations say on the earth, but the original translation says in the earth. And I don't know if he if if he knew how profound that was to me. I don't know if he did or not, but you know, it doesn't seem that big just to change a vowel between own and in. But man, when something gets in you, man, that, that is different from being something on you, right? So that's really good. Uh, that is so it was so profound. But I want to go to something that's standing out to me in your story, even whenever you're growing uh, in in your in the organization you worked for and doing this. The, the theme that I keep hearing is a person of action, right? Initiative, being willing mm-hmm. to, to step out there and do the things that maybe other people are afraid to do or, or maybe not. Um, but I, I would love for you to speak into that. You got anything about being a person of action or take, take an initiative, anything? Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, I'll, I'll credit uh, our friend Ray, Ray Popham with this. Um, but man, I, I think back to, um, the story of Nehemiah in the Bible. Nehemiah was a cupbearer, uh, one of the most dispensable, <laughs> uh, levels that you could be, you know, um, he's the guy that made sure that it was not poisoned. And, uh, but anyway, he, he finds out that his, his homeland had been destroyed and he's just in ruins. And I mean, he's so distraught, uh, by this. And the Bible says that he's weeping and he's just so hurt by this. And, um, he, it it says something in the scripture though. It says that, that he goes to the King and the King asks something is, something is wrong. What, what, what is wrong? And he says, I was afraid, but I replied. And, and if there is a lesson in initiative that can be learned and action that can be taken, man, is it right there? Yeah. I was afraid, but I did it. I was afraid, but I, but I took a step. And so what Nehemiah did is he said, I was afraid, but I, I replied, well, King, this is what happened. My, my city's in ruins, uh, my homeland, this is what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And the King actually ends up saying, well, how can I help? And Nehemiah's like, I was afraid, <laughs> but I'm going to reply again. He says, well, you know, maybe you could grant me some time off. And he says, okay. And then what's crazy is Nehemiah kept taking a step. So he says, oh, well, and while you're at it, could I have some lumber? <laughs> and can I get the governor's, uh, you know, the, the signature on this and his permission, blah, blah, blah. And can I do this? And can I get this? I was afraid, but I replied. Mm. And I think 
if there's something about just being a person of action, that's always been important to me is, um, you know, and I, and I attribute a lot of it to my faith. Um, but I always feel like if God's going to give me a vision for it, then he's going to TD Jakes actually said this. If, uh, if God gives you the vision, he'll give you the provision, mm-hmm. right? So he'll make the way. Um, but we just have to, we just have to be obedient and we just got to take a step. Uh, and it's not to say that we're not going to be afraid. It's not to say that our dreams aren't going to be scary or anything like that. But, um, you know, we've got a God who promises us that, you know, you have faith like a mustard seed and you can tell that mountain to move. And, uh, so we're just, we're just going to stand in mountain moving faith and, uh, and trust that our God's going to continue to, to give us those stepping stones that we need to take. We just gotta, we just gotta be obedient and say, I will act or I will reply like Nehemiah. Man, that's so good. Uh, I like that. I heard a guy say the other day, the, and this is for anybody, no matter what your walk of faith is and all of that, the hard part isn't hearing God, but it's actually doing what he says. And um, that's, I love what you said right there with the vision and provision. And um, yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and I've, Going through these tables, my favorite one is initiative. I love it, right? Like I'm all in on that one. I love that one, and um, I feel like that's a, that's one I can rate myself highly on. But we were talking, and uh, I said, you know, he was asking me about some of that stuff, and I was like, you know, I don't know. Most of the things I do are just out of ignorance. Like I don't know that it won't work. So just <laughs> and and you know, when you do that kind of stuff, uh, there's a lot of mistakes along the way. So you got to, you got to have a healthy, you got to be okay with failure. And uh, so, and that's good stuff. I like it. Well, well, Tyler, man, you have added a ton, a ton of value. You really have. And I know if someone's listening, they want to connect with you or if they want to invite you to come share to their men's group or their church, or maybe they, they looking for a coach uh, to come alongside of them in the faith lane. Uh, How do they connect with you? What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, thanks for that. And I would love to help or connect. And and if my story connects with you at all, or if you'd like a deeper dive on it, man, I, I you know, that's that's God's story. You know, that is my testimony, and I I, I love sharing it. Uh, and if it can help at all, but you can reach me at Tyler T Y L E R at bloomhere.org. and that's B L O O M H E R E dot org. Tyler dot, Tyler at bloomhere.org. We'll have that in the, the show notes there. You guys can simply check that out, reach out to Tyler, and um, really, really do appreciate you coming on, Tyler. You really have added a ton of value. And if Tyler has added value to you, feel free to reach out. But also, if there's something that stood out to you that um, that, that that really made an impact on you, comment and comment below in the wherever you want to comment at and we'll make sure Tyler gets that and uh, make sure you like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with any of the latest episodes of principles with Corey and Logan. We appreciate you guys. We hope you have an awesome, awesome day and God bless. Thanks so much for spending your time with us today. As you go about your day, remember to ask yourself as a parent, child, sibling, business owner, customer, boss, teammate, would you recommend yourself audit yourself, and change your life. Hey guys, and if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, take a moment, please subscribe, give us a rate and review on your listening platform. And hey, we value your feedback and it helps others find us.
Are you ready for this? 